Okay, let's go ahead and get started. The Lord be with you. Um, the, uh, the prayer this morning is the colic from last Sunday. The um, colic for proper 28, in case you wanted to know. Um, let us pray. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, for ever and ever. Amen. Okay, just going to figure this out. Um, I think we're good. Um, thanks all for coming. I don't even want to be here. I want to go listen to Stephen McCarthy. So <laughs> what are you doing here? Um, <laughs> uh, I guess we'll uh, listen to the recording. That's what I'll do. Um, some of you know where this is, the the Red Cat and um, over by uh, Pepper Place. Um, I just felt like, you know what, I'm going to start bringing something that has nothing to do with the topic <laughs> at the very beginning. Well, it kind of, kind of does because it says children, but... Um, <coughs> we're at uh, the fourth week of children's books for adults. Uh, I think most of you have been before, um, maybe to all three, maybe just one or two. Um, and uh, the first week we took a look at Runaway Bonnie, which is a classic. And um, we watched some scenes from a movie called Wit, which I commend to you if you haven't seen it. And the, the topic that day for me, although I didn't really, um, maybe I didn't say it explicitly, is, uh, you know, a love that will not let us go, really, um, which is a great song. Um, and if not said explicitly in scriptures, it's certainly, generally speaking, an idea that comes about. Um, the second week, the Pout Pout Fish was the book that we read, which was a lot of fun. But there were some uh, connections to... Um, the uh, Christian message, and one uh, had, that had a lot to do with grace and what grace is. It sort of gave us, gave us a picture of what grace might look like. And one definition that I often use to explain grace, there are um, some common uh, definitions that are used. For example, um, God's unmerited favor. You might have heard that's kind of the systematic theology phrase that people use. But the one that I like to say is undeserved love for the unlovable, undeserved love for the unlovable. I mean, if you think about that, that's um, really what happened in the Pout Pout Fish is he was an unlovable character, you know, going around saying, I spread my weary drearies all over the place, blah, 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 you know. It's um, hard to, to give that guy a hug. Um, and then the undeserved love came in the form of the kiss from the silver fish, um, just as God loves us unlovable in an undeserved way. And last week we took a look at a book called Ish, lowercase i by the way, um, and talked a lot about art and artists. And the theme there might have been something like the creative power of grace. Often when grace is received, it is almost an enabling factor that allows people to be creative. Um, and that might take all different shapes and forms. Might not have anything to do with art. It might have to do with 
maybe you've met someone who was just like really shy and was completely afraid of speaking in public and something happened in their life that looked like grace and it just um, opened them up. Have you met someone like that before? Their lips were loosened, you know, and they were able to, um, to be the person they were made to be because of the grace that they received. And that's often the, um, the creative fallout, or fallout's kind of a negative term, um, the creative uh, sort of fruit or um, pouring over um, that is a result of grace that we saw in this book called Ish. That's about a, a kid who's trying to paint, and someone says, that's kind of silly, and then someone else comes along and says, I want to put these all up around my room. Even though they only look flower-ish, I think it's brilliant. I, lo- I, I think what you're doing is great. Um, and that allowed him, uh, Raymond, to, to go on produce even more art and poetry. And uh, hopefully that spoke to you, um, especially if maybe you are a, a, sh- a shadow creative type, uh, maybe artist or, or something else, you know. Um, just know that God loves you. Uh, even though you don't deserve it. And hopefully that um, will open you up in some way. Today, we're going to look at some... That was a lot of secular material, those first three books. Today, I thought, you know... and But I've been all along bringing in a... Hey, Holly, thanks for the coffee. Um, just noticed that. Um, I've been bringing in each week uh, some devotions from Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. That's been the, the only kind of Christian uh, content that in terms of a book that I've brought in, the three main books were secular, at least on uh, face value. Today I thought it would be good to just round it out with something that's explicitly Christian. Uh, here we are in a church and doing this class. Um, you know, hey, <laughs> you know, lest someone like kind of accuse me of just having too much fun and, you know, being really flighty. Um, you know, this isn't really hardcore catechism, you know, um, but hopefully it speaks to you in um, some ways that that do help you understand the Christian message. Nonetheless, today we'll take a look at what I think is one of the very few um, Christian uh, children's Bibles out there that's worthy of your money. <laughs> you know, other ones, the pictures might be great, but you might want to tell a different story to the kids who can't read the the words. Um, so what do I want to say before I uh, get to that? Um, well, you know, a lot of uh, children's Bibles that are out there are, they, they lean heavy on morality and, and heroes of the faith. And there, there's some truth in the ethics and there's some truth in the hero aspect. But for the most part, uh, it's just generally speaking, problematic. It's um, hyperbolic and not really true to the biblical text. And of course, even the one that we'll look at today isn't the Bible. You know, it's a paraphrase. Just as much as a a sermon's trying to uh, give an exposition of the text, so are these these books. You know, they're not straight up scripture. But um, let me give you some uh, images of what I'm talking about, the stuff that drives me crazy. This is from a coloring book, um, and I love that my daughter just uh, scribbled all over it. <coughs> this isn't really a Bible, but, you know, uh, it's a, coloring, a Christian coloring book. 
It is not enough to pray. We must pray and also do good works, like helping older people with their groceries. I've never helped an older person with their groceries. You know? I mean, why is that always the cliche, like, you know, do good thing? It's so dated, I think. They probably dropped it right then after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of my daughters, or both of them, scribbled all over it. And here's from the same uh, book. We must do everything for the glory of God. We will then honor his name and gain salvation for ourselves. Um, <laughs> if you don't understand the gospel, this isn't it. This is... Um, you know, go if you weren't at the nine o'clock. Listen to Andrew's uh, sermon at the eleven, or the recording of it, um, and you'll know why that's. And it, you see, this is an exposition of the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be Thy name. Um, so a lot of the stuff that you'll find, or people will give you as gifts. Someone gave this to us as a gift, you know, because we're Christian, and they figure like anything, you know, it's just it's Jesus. It's okay. It must be okay, you know. <laughs> What was there was one Holly that we got that I can't I couldn't remember a children's storybook Bible and there was one page that just oh, drove and us crazy. Said, and Jesus grew up to be a good boy. <laughs> Moral of the story, you know. Um, so that's often there's an you know I won't bring it in, but if you um, if if your piety won't be offended. Um, go on um, Google and do a search for um, Awkward Moments Children Bible, which is a parody. Um, if you think you might be offended by dirty humor, um, but it, it kind of, it, it, it gives an, a, a picture of kind of what I'm talking about, that like Christians, because it's probably written by atheists. Um, but you know they, you know they show Noah's Ark not the way that we often show children. You know the sea is full of dead animals and people. You know I mean, uh, often these Bibles like gloss over. Why are so many? You know why are nurseries always covered with Noah's? You know if you think about the, the story of Noah's Ark, it's like the worst thing to put in children's nurseries. It ought to give them nightmares. You know, but because they're. <laughs> Because there are animals, you know, all the birds, uh, you know, dogs and babies of the Bible. That's kind of often what uh, is, is dwelled upon. So, you know, awkward moments, Bible. If you if, if you're not easily offended, um, do a Google search. Um, but uh, in you know, a light shines in the darkness. Um, uh, the <coughs> Jesus Storybook Bible is written by, and I'm just going to do this because I'm a sinner. Um, <laughs> That's me and Sally Lloyd-Jones <laughs> being photobombed by J.P. Morgan. <laughs> um, she's the author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, um, and she used to work in publishing. And, she, you know, th going back to Ish, she was a shadow artist. She really wanted to be a children's author, but didn't think that... Um, you know, that, that was kind of a, a silly idea. So what happened is a lot of writers often, for example, will become English teachers like I did, or um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't misunderstand me. Or they'll go into publishing or become an agent or something like that. And so they're, they're working with the creative types that they want to be and don't think that they can be. And, and Sally found herself in that sort of situation working in publishing and noticed that the people down the hall in the children's book office were always having a lot of fun. And so she um, finally was like, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna write a, a book, a children's book, and she produced this uh, storybook Bible, and illustrated by uh, Jago, who is such a great artist that Holly commissioned him to draw a picture of an old church of ours, um, and that just shows you how much we love these two people, um, because there's it's one of the very few things that I think is out there that um, is worthwhile in this category. Um, and so the, uh, I'll take that down. Um, the, uh, the introduction of her book, I'm not going to read the whole thing, um, but she kind of says in so many words some of what I said. Let me just, and you can see the drawing here is of, you know, some great heroes, quote unquote, of the Bible. And this is just an excerpt from the first chapter or introduction. Now, some people think the Bible is a book of rules, telling you that you should and shouldn't, telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly does have some rules in it. They show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should be doing. It's about God and what he has done. Other people think the Bible is a book of heroes, showing you people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it, but, as you'll soon find out, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away. At times, they're downright mean. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story, capital S. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. And you can get on the ref pick up on the reference, the hero is Jesus Christ. And that's why it's called the Jesus, even though it's also Old Testament. Jesus Storybook Bible. The subtitle, Every Story Whispers His Name. And the connection throughout, even in the, every single Old Testament story that's told is, what does this have to do with Jesus Christ, which is um, what Christians ought to be doing? That's good uh, biblical theology. And then finally, this other thing that I want to share with you about the book is this um, great sentence that she's given us to, to give another um, explanation of what God's grace looks like. You see, no matter what, in spite of everything, God would love his children with a never-stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. I just love that sentence. Um, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And that was at the end of the chapter um, after the fall in Genesis. Um, so what I'm going to do is rather than read them, because it, the thing about this one too is it's for probably elementary age children, whereas the ones that I had before were really for like preschool age children, you can see they're more, it's more text heavy than the others, which is fine for a little bit older children. 
what they did was uh, create videos of each chapter in this book narrated by David Suchet, uh, who's an English actor. He was on a store called, uh, uh, a show called Pierrot, is that how you say it? Um, and uh, the video's well done, uh, enough that I'm like, hey, why don't we just show the video for the chapter that I want to bring in, rather than have someone uh, read it today. And the one that I want us to uh, look at is the story of Zacchaeus. I've picked up on that Sally Lloyd-Jones has a real heart for the story of Zacchaeus. Um, and so that's, that's the one I'm going to uh, show for you today because I, I get the sense that maybe it's her favorite. So I could be wrong, but... Um, Zonda Kids presents. Excuse me, I forgot to. The Jesus. Plug the. Um, is this online? Like anybody can look at it, or? Like these you have to either buy the DVD or. Was that loud enough? Do I need to plug the? Did you all hear that? It's on. It's online, but you have to pay for download or you have to buy a DVD. Now, some of them are free on YouTube as samples. Was this loud enough? Storybook Bible. Okay. Every story. Jesus was at the tree, 
he stopped and looked up. Zacchaeus saw Jesus, and Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, Jesus said, I'd like to come over to your house. Zacchaeus almost fell out of the tree. Come over to his house? Well, no one ever wanted to come anywhere near his house, let alone inside it. The people saw this, and, well, needless to say, it made them even crosser and grumpier than usual. They mumbled and murmured and muttered, Why has Jesus been kind to that big sinner? Doesn't Jesus know about him? Zacchaeus <laughs> <laughs> scrambled down and took Jesus to his house. He was in a big hurry because he didn't want Jesus to change his mind. Perhaps Jesus hadn't heard about him. Perhaps Jesus didn't know about how he had been stealing and how no one liked him and how he didn't have any friends. But Jesus knew. He knew all about Zacchaeus and the stealing and everything. And he still loved him. Zacchaeus was ashamed. Lord, he said, turning pale, what I've done is wrong. But now I want to do the right thing. I will give the money back to everyone. Four times what I stole. And that's just what he did. Jesus smiled. My friend, he said, today God has rescued you. Jesus loved Zacchaeus when nobody else did. He was Zacchaeus' friend, even when no one else was. Because Jesus was showing people what God's love was like. His wonderful, never stopping, <laughs> never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever. Okay. What I want to read to you next are two devotions out of Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing, also by Sally Lloyd-Jones, also illustrated by Jago. There are two chapters in here on Zacchaeus, which is unusual, which again I think is illustrative of her heart for that story. But before that, just, you know, this one's a devotional. Um, they're kind of like, you know, the word that we have on the cover of the, uh, the adventurer? They're like really good, each one's like a really good version of that with a great illustration, you know, very short thoughts. And here's just the note at the very beginning of the book, the author's note. These thoughts are to remind you of things that are true. They aren't meant to be read all at once, just one a day. They come from the Bible, the place where God has told you all these magnificent things about how he loves you and how you can love him. Sometimes I wrote for people who already know what it is to come home to God. Other times I wrote for people who are just finding out. You listen to whatever God wants to say to you, Sally. So this is the first one, and that's you can see that's the same illustration. just wanted to give you a bigger picture. This one is called Friend of Sinners. One day, Jesus visited an, um, the important city of Jericho and had a meeting. Who with? The mayor? The bishop? No. Jesus made a beeline straight for the biggest sinner he could find, who, by the way, was quite small and up a tree. It would be like going to Washington, D.C., and instead of having tea with the president, finding the worst criminal and having tea with him. 
Zacchaeus was the most hated, despised man in the whole city. And of all people, he was the one Jesus chose to have tea with. Back then, that was scandalous. It was like saying, let's be friends. The important people sneered, Jesus is the friend of sinners. They were right. Jesus loves sinners. And they're the whole reason he came. And the passage is, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15 And then the next entry, here's the illustration. This one is called Free Gift. Zacchaeus was a big sinner. He stole, cheated, lied. Why would Jesus love him? Did Zacchaeus say, I'll be a better person? And that's why Jesus wanted to be his friend? No, it was entirely the other way around. Even when no one else wanted anything to do with Zacchaeus, even before Zacchaeus mended his ways, Jesus was his friend. Jesus accepted him and loved him. Zacchaeus didn't have to do anything to make Jesus love him, and neither do you. Because you see, God's love is a free gift. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. You can't pay for it. You need only open your hands to receive it. God saved, this is the passage, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Ephesians 2.8. Well, um, there you go. We have uh, a few minutes. Um, you've kind of heard... Um, why I brought this in and um, why I'm excited about it, why it's basically the only uh, children's Bible we have at our house, except for another one that she actually wrote for very young children. Anything she does. Yeah. You know, theologically, it's right up like the Advents Alley, you know, Um, and often these concepts that like came out in the story with Zacchaeus about things like uh, grace and sinners and um, undeserved love, uh, maybe even things like justification, we might be able to talk to children about that. You know, I mean, you don't have to be a teenager or older to, to get these things. You can be uh, quite young. They might not articulate it the same way as us, but... Um, rather than focusing on something like morality or the heroes, um, which aren't entirely true, maybe we ought to start from the beginning, um, sharing the faith that we actually believe, you know, um, rather than having to do a lot of heavy lifting when they're young adults to say, oh, yeah, we kind of told you those stories, but <laughs> really it's something else. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's kind of bizarre. Um, uh, so... Yeah. In the summer, mm-hmm. sure, oh, great. Year now for the 3K, 4K, 5K, and first Praise God. Yeah, there's a curriculum that goes with the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, we used it at my last church um, because I oversaw children's ministry there. Um, yeah. So you know, and so all that in mind, and also you know, the story of Zacchaeus in particular. Any questions, reactions, comments, concerns, digressions? etc. that you'd What's love. The word she read for young children? 
there are a couple. Uh, the one I'm thinking about is the Jesus Hug a Bible, Baby Hug a Bible, and it has a, a, sheep's, a sheep's wool cover, uh, so they can actually hug it. You know, they can sleep with it. And you know, there's a there's a um, a, col- a a musician collective out of Nashville that's done two um, children's uh, music albums. Uh, they're called Rain for Roots. And the first album they did, some of the songs were literally the entries from Sally Lloyd Jones out of the Jesus uh, the the the, um, the Baby Hug Bible. Well, not all of them, but some of them. Uh, and they performed at Ryman uh, in Nashville with with Sally reading out of the. Um, out of the baby hug a Bible, um, and, and you know that's another category. Uh, we could do a whole another session on um, children's music, generally speaking, or particularly Christian stuff. You know, just as there's a lot of stuff that's worth, you know, don't even donate it. You know, throw it in the recycling bin. <laughs> Someone once gave me a John Shelby Spong book, and I, if you know who he is, I was like, I'm not going to donate this. I'm throwing this in the recycling bin because I don't want anybody else to read it. <laughs> <laughs> devotion, I mean, I think it's actually one of the best devotions, period, out there. I mean, I read it, yeah. For mm-hmm. children, any age, it's... Often what speaks to the 12-year-old, you know, speaks to the 12-year-old and us, or you could just say 5-year-old, really. I mean, deep down, we're all basically 5-year-olds in um, aging bodies, I think. That's my theory. <laughs> Uh, maybe we mature to six or seven, but you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So reactions, thoughts, questions, anything. I love the story when I was doing women's ministry here. A lot of times I would get some pushback because people felt like it was a story that was overtold. But I mean, it's sort of like the Christmas story or the Easter story, except the central character is us, and that I mean, we're all the kids. Right. And yeah. you can't hear that story too many times. Mm. I, I think children can relate to this because they're small. Mm-hmm. Um, and they make mistakes. And um, often, and you know, I'm guilty of this. This is a place that I struggle. So It's so difficult. If you know the answer, you know, how, how to put my um, theology into practice with my children. I really struggle with that. To, you know, kind of behave more so like Jesus in this story with respect to my children. Because, you know, deep down, even though intellectually I believe the things that I believe in terms of doctrine, my heart's in a different place. You know, I think all people actually are, um, we, we struggle um, with this message and therefore putting it into practice is difficult because the knee-jerk reaction is to do what? You know, is the opposite of what happened in this story is to um, discipline, which is, you know, fine, but <laughs> 100% of the time, you know, that's problematic to just always be punishing, always be chastising, to have zero compassion. Um, it's and easy to receive grace, but it's so hard when you're a parent and you want so much to just have control or just, you know, get in bed or yeah. <laughs> give me a minute or whatever it is to let go. And so reading this with my girls, you know, I'm like convicted every time. <laughs> you know, like this, yeah, this is not how I was behaving five minutes ago, you know, <laughs> with respect to you. Um, so, uh, well, it, you know, so a- any other thoughts about what we talked about today or just, you know, we have um, four more minutes about th- this experience, how, what it's been like for you the past few weeks. Maybe you haven't been every time. Maybe you've been just today or a couple times. But just gen- any general responses about children's books for adults. 
kind of show how how simple the gospel is, is that you can, you can and maybe it's better to it's better understood when it's when it's told at, at this level simply because it's just not it, it's we want to make it more complicated than it is and it's just yeah it's easier to make it complicated probably it's the more difficult thing to make it simple yeah Yeah. Had really attracted you to Christianity in general, and is that an adult book? Yes. Okay, so it's not something that we could share with kids or. Yeah, it's actually, you know, despite the cover, it's quite erudite. Um, It's not difficult, but I would say it's at kind of a intermediate level of adult. Could could a teenager uh, understand it, maybe? I think so. You know. depending on who the teenager is. She's talking about The Gospel According to Peanuts by Robert L. Short, using Charles Schultz's um, Peanuts comic strips to give an exposition of the gospel, uh, and how that actually was quite instrumental in my coming to faith, if you missed that story before. Um, if I had something like a conversion story, it was in a cozy cafe in Bethesda, Maryland, reading that book and the uh, scales fell from my eyes. Um, And, uh, yeah, you know, similar to this category in in that I'm I'm a very visual person. I'm not an auditory learner, and a lot of people are one or the other, or to greater or lesser extent one or the other. There are other ways that we learn, too, tactile, um, through all the senses, and... um, I have a very difficult time listening to people uh, talk, and I don't know why that is. That's why I don't teach entirely didactically, because I don't learn that way myself. It, so if it didn't work for me, I know it probably doesn't work for a lot of you. Now, some of you might struggle with that. Um, you can go to another class. Um, <laughs> but I learn, uh, I learn visually often, um, and so I like things that, if not giving an image, at least in their um, the writing or the speaking, give you a, a picture, you know, and uh, that's really important. If it works, you know, if it works for children, it works for adults too. Um, there's, there's, we don't need to be ashamed to read books with pictures in them, including Robert L. Short's The Gospel According to Peanuts. Um, it, you know, that's the thing that did it for me. C.S. Lewis helped move me along to that place. And he's quite visual, but it was a book with pictures, <laughs> for God's sake. Um, and it continues to speak to me. You know, uh, these books. When we had uh, girls, I got excited about the fact that now I get to have an excuse to read children's books. So. Marshall Wilkinson told me once that the gospel is the simplest thing in the world and the most complicated thing in the world. And I think the thing is, is that it's okay if you don't get the complicated part but you've got to get the simple part. Right. Yeah. And if you don't get the simple part, then you've missed it. And so I think that's part of the beauty of children's books is that it's forced to find a very concentrated version. And in our own experience of parenting, it's even a challenge of people who feel like we kind of get the gospel. You know, we've, we've worked through it a lot as adults, um, but then to really synthesize it and get it in a way that, you know, a four-year-old can understand. Is, is very challenging, and I think it really is a good faith exercise to do that with, with kids. Thank you, Harley. Uh, I'll, final thoughts. I'm so glad you're here. La- last week I was struggling because she wasn't. So. <laughs>
Um, because there's often something that I forget to say, and Holly knows it because we talk about this stuff so much. Um, any final thoughts besides? Um, just a couple of final notes. The books are available in the bookstore as per usual, including the two that I brought in today um, and the others from previous weeks. And also, I wrote something recently on um, the, give, the, is that what it's called? the Giving Tree. Um, so some people were asking about that. So there's copies of that. And also, No David, if you were at any of the fellowship dinners where I talked about No David, that's available in the bookstore. Um, in December, I won't be here next week, which is still November, I think, but in December for three weeks before Christmas, I'll be leading a course called Christmas Specials for the Weary and Burdened. Um, and that will include things from the Andy Griffith Show, The Twilight Zone, and Peanuts. Um, <laughs> go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for you, God.